And what's up with the what's up? Welcome to another episode of Believe in the Business of Fitness. I am your host, The Coach. And today I'm bringing to you another jam-packed episode and another gem from the Midwest. Today, you have the pleasure of listening to me as I interview Nancy Coca. She is a licensed massage therapist out of Wichita, Kansas, and she's making the jump from LMT to a corrective exercise specialist. Believe it or not, she already has a wide range of clientele ranging from NFL players to aging populations with specific conditions. And the reason why this episode holds another special place in my heart is because I have personally worked with Nancy in the past and I have seen her growth over the years and I am not surprised by what she has done and what she will continue to do as her career advances. As always, remember to like, share and subscribe to our show. This allows us to bring powerful, hard hitting guests like we do today. Um, with that said, I'm not going to hold you any longer. Let's roll it. Okay, well. Nancy, I want to thank you for agreeing to come on to the show. Uh, we've, you know, coincidentally, we've known each other for quite a while. Uh, we've actually met up in person one time for a session, and we have actually kept track of each other online. And I can't wait for you to talk about your experiences with a lot of our guests, as I've seen you really grow a lot over the years. So for our listeners out there who don't know quite who you are yet, would you go ahead and state your name, occupation, and a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Nancy Coca. I am a massage therapist. I am currently living in Wichita, Kansas. I've been a solo therapist for about two years, and I am on my 13th year as a massage therapist. Excellent. And I like the way you said massage therapist, um, you know, specifically. Uh, don't want to give too much away here, but massage, is that kind of the only thing you do, or is that, or am I giving too much away for the future? Um, I, massage is pretty much the only thing I do. I am just not the traditional or cookie cutter type of massage therapist. You will not see me or, I mean, I can give you a Swedish massage, but I am more of a therapeutic, um, similar to medical massage therapist. Okay. And that actually was the word that I would probably describe you as because a lot of the techniques I've seen you display over your social media uh, especially over the last year, they definitely fall in line with more of athletic training, uh, things that you'll see in the medical industry for those with uh, chronic uh, chronic pain management uh, needs yes. as well. So I'm glad you said it, not me. And well, I mean, you, you asked if it's the only thing I do. Currently is the only thing I do. I am uh, uh, currently I'm working on my personal training certification, nutrition certification and uh the goal is to be the goal is to finish with corrective exercise corrective exercising so hopefully next time this year i will be able to treat you and train you excellent well uh we definitely will have a lot in common then uh as a lot of you know that's definitely more up my alley and uh, I can't wait to dive a little bit deeper into that. I'm going to write a little note to myself so I don't forget that. But not to jump too far ahead here, let, let's talk a little bit about you. So, Nancy, um, when did you realize that health was going to kind of be one of the main pillars in your life? And the reason why I want to start off with that question is because most of you, if you don't know this, massage therapy in particular it's it's a pretty rigorous job. Uh, would you say, Nancy? I mean, you're using your hands quite a bit. I mean, you really got to figure out how to take care of yourself and you can't really do it if your health isn't put first. So I want to double back to that question. When did you realize that um, even if it wasn't massage therapy, that you knew you wanted to take a health focused route in your life? It actually happened 
when I was already a massage therapist, I, I think it's been, it had been a few years into my career um, that I realized, I mean, I really love this. At first, um, I was excited about massage therapy. You know, it, it sort of fell into me, into my lap by accident. I looked into it prior to becoming a massage therapist. I never had a massage in my life before becoming, before becoming a student. And I thought it would just be a good thing for me to do while my kids were in, in school and they were young and it would be flexible with their schedule. But I did feel pretty burnt out pretty early in the career working for Massage Envy. Um, you know, we would have to follow protocols. It was just back-to-back massages. And I even considered quitting Um I just, I kept saying like, this is not my thing. I, my body is tired. I'm developing these injuries and I don't know how to fix them. I just, I mean, I know I have to work. So I would say about three years into massage or two years into massage, I started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I learned how to use my body in a different way and I lost the fear of applying pressure with my body. And I started, you know, learning techniques that worked for me without having to use my arms. Four years into my career is when I said, you know, I really like this, but I'm not sure if I can handle 10 years of it. I actually quit massage and went back to work for Massage Envy. And I already knew it was not going to be something I wanted to, to stick with for a long time. I was just waiting for my son to make it to high school. Then I would go and work for a factory, local factory, Spirit. And and I did. But when I was at Spirit, and in fact, the first day I got to my new job, I knew I made a mistake. I knew massage was what I wanted to do. And... Day after day, I just continue like brainstorming. What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of here? I don't want to quit this job and go back to massage because so many people supported me to get to that job. Uh, there were so many people. I mean, I, I put my entire energy for three years to get to get that job. But I couldn't help just watching videos on a daily basis going through, you know, short courses that people would offer online for free. And uh, watching the exercising videos, corrective exercising videos. I mean, every anything about the body, I just felt like that's the direction I needed to go. Yet I didn't know it was my calling until COVID hit. Once COVID hit, um, I was we went on furlough, and all of my clients, my my home clients, because when I, while I was still working for Massage MB, I had home clients that I would work on once in a while. It was not something that I was doing pretty consistent. Um, they started texting like, Hey, are you, are you, are you off the factory job right now? If you are, can you come work on me? I have this issue. And I just started seeing my, my home clients little by little during that COVID year, 2020. Um, I got laid off. I was completely laid off by June 28th of 2020. And, um, you know, most people, they had jobs like that. We, I went into unemployment and just gradually working on, on just my close prior clients. 
by the end of 2020, I knew that's, that was it. Um, I rented an office February 2021. And everything just happened organically. I, I just knew I belonged there. That's an interesting path to take because most people, when they, when they kind of have their aha moment, um, it's not usually after they've done part of the practice for a while. In your case, it seemed like you were doing what you wanted, but you were just in the wrong setting. You were in a corporate setting with um, rules and regulations that didn't necessarily fit you. Is that safe to say? Yes, yes. Um, the protocols, the yeah, like you said, the regulations, um, management was probably the worst. Just management and the owner of the facility where I was working just made it very miserable to work for them. No, okay. Yeah, and I know, I know exactly what that's like. A, a lot of people have. If you've even had <laughs> your basic uh, job flipping burgers or. Uh, I mean, what's a common first job? I think a lot of us know what it's like to have management that's just awful. They can ruin anything for you. Mm -hmm. And so yes. I want to double back on that. Now now that you know what it's like to work for somebody, now you're working for yourself. What, what are some things that you do now in place of your own practice that you couldn't do when you were working for uh, an enterprise or a corporation like Massage Envy? Uh well, everybody knows like working for yourself schedule, you know, managing your own schedule is probably the greatest thing. But um, I find a lot of joy um, scheduling 15 minutes in between my clients so I can give my clients the full 60 minutes that they, that they pay for. And those 15 minutes give me time to still educate my client after our session. Sometimes, most of the time when it's a new person, I step outside of the room and teach them some exercises or teach them some stretches. Uh, we do, I work in a small gym, so we have workout equipment. I teach them how to do certain things that are going to help them with shoulder rehab or maybe some, you know, hip flexor stuff. And, and that is probably the best thing that I have right now is that I don't have to rush my client out of the room. I don't have to just super fast, sell them a membership and kick them out. See you next time. You know, uh, the relationship that I'm building with my clients through those 15 minutes that I have after are great. I just love it. And I don't, I never, I, we didn't have that in Massage Envy. Massage Envy was, you pay for an hour, but that hour, it, you getting undressed on the table and getting dressed again and out of the room is part of that hour. And we have to figure out how we're going to switch the table in between the next person because they come in one second, you know? Oh yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm very familiar with the massage envy structure. Um, I think that was probably the third time I ever got a massage was at massage envy. They did good work, but I know exactly what you mean. I'm sure a lot of our other listeners do too. Uh, so what I want to do now is I want to take an actual step back. What is your educational background, uh, for our listeners out there who might be interested in getting involved in this career later on? I personally don't have a lot of certifications because, again, I worked for Massage Envy for so many years to where they would grandfather you in into, you know, will would actually when while working at Massage Envy, Kansas passed a law for us to have a license 
then obviously you don't have to be certified or have to have the license, but to work for a massage envy, you did. And they grandfather us in to where the city would give us license. So I, we'd really weren't motivated to work on any continuous education on top of that, feeling burnt out. And they were not very helpful at, um, first of all, we weren't getting paid a lot of money. So we didn't have money to put aside to pay for certifications. Massage therapy certifications, like one weekend certification can be pretty pricey. Um, so it was more like, okay, I'm here, I'm comfortable. This is gonna last as long as it lasts. So I didn't do a lot of continuous education because I didn't think it was gonna be around for a long time. And now I'm working on on that, on the, the more body work stuff. I want to do some fascia stretching. Uh, but again, I mean, I just became solo. So it's it's taking time. You know, it's going to be a process. I have personal training. I mean, I'm sorry. I have a massage therapy certification. And I have a few small certifications that I do online as far as like my personal continuous just to keep my insurance and stay a member of the a, um, AM or what is it called? AMP insurance. Um, so I do, I don't know, I, have, I think I've had cupping, um, some stretching, um, basics of high massage. And um, I think that's about it for now. Okay, excellent. So now, knowing now what your educational background and you're, you're really experience based where you know, you didn't get a lot of your education in a classroom where you got to kind of learn on the job through your employer where they paid for your training and you've added on elements that you found interesting um, or I would say um, that are helpful to the direction you want to go. When when you talk about the corrective exercises or the, the stretches that can enhance your client's experience outside of the, the time that they have with you, when did you realize that you needed to include that in your practice? I'm not really sure. It's been a long time. Um, when I realized that uh, I, I was not a traditional massage therapist, that I didn't belong in a spa and I wanted more. Uh, as a you know former Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitor, I felt like I never found somebody to help me with a lot of my issues, a lot of the the problems I, I was you know dealing with as an athlete and I would get massages but I always felt like there's something more and physical therapy wasn't always very helpful um I'm not gonna say physical therapy doesn't work I'm just saying a lot of the times it doesn't help with a lot of issues or I'm not really sure how to explain it I think I think you kind of understand that yeah, and I can actually, um, as if you don't mind, I can I can actually chip in for our listeners out there to kind of bridge that gap that I think you're trying to connect there. Um, as a lot of you know, I played collegiate football over at Washington State, where we have our own athletic training staff and um, our own ther uh, physical therapist. Their job was to keep me on the field. Their job was not to correct the root cause of my injuries. Um, I talked mm -hmm. a lot about my ankles in the past and how the the immobility of them really messed with my posterior kinetic chain and that's what led to hip issues that 
my now uh, mother-in-law uh, <laughs> has really helped me work out through who is also a physical therapist. She's a holistic physical therapist. The mm -hmm. big difference between the two, though, was she took the time to find out the root cause issue of my injuries and prescribe the exercises and the the stretches that would help me uh, prevent those injuries from happening in the future for long-term health, where my trainers at the college, um, even in semi-pro, where they were just kind of putting a Band-Aid over it saying, okay, this should help get you through uh, for a little while and then um, you know, send me on my way. Would you say that's a good way of kind of explaining it? Of putting, yeah, yeah, most definitely it is. I mean, it, like you said, their job is to keep you somewhere, but not most physical therapists won't get to the root cause of the problem, unfortunately. Um, I haven't been with a physical therapist in a long time. So, you know, I feel like maybe the younger generation, just like um, chiropractors, like the younger generation have different ideas. So I don't know. I just really have not come across anyone like that. Also, as my kids were athletes, I mean, practicing jujitsu and playing soccer, I noticed some injuries that I wanted to help. But I, I, I couldn't help, you know. Uh, I didn't know there was such thing as corrective exercising um, until I just, I mean, I'm a person that will sit here and watch YouTube videos that are related to my industry for hours. I would literally, I can literally spend hours watching videos, reading or just whatever comes to me. You know, I will sit there and watch and that's kind of how I came across corrective exercising. Then I learned that my instructor uh, does corrective exercising. Um, so I feel like I want to learn. I want to I want to learn this because I started realizing how a lot of high school high school kids go through the same issues like they their coaches push them to train to work out and to be on the field. But recovery is not very good and they don't really they don't do um, a lot of functional training. They don't do the proper stretching or the, the proper mobility work. And I think and you can you can probably agree with this. A lot of injuries come, a lot of um, athletes' injuries come from when they started as kids um, in high school, maybe middle school, and their injuries never heal, whether it's on the knees, on the ankles. And as you go to college, you're still dealing with this injury and you think it just happened, but it's been happening since you were a kid. And so I started paying attention to a lot of more, more of that, and it became very interesting to me. So years pass. Um, I'm already a solo, ther uh, solo therapist. I have a couple clients. They're, they're best friends. There's a group of best friends. And I had the opportunity to go train at um, Sports Academy at the Star in Frisco, Texas with a great manual therapist. He's a, he is a certified personal trainer, nutritionist, uh, massage therapist, and um, corrective exercise specialist. So what we call hybrid therapist. I was able to learn manual therapy from him and being around all those pro athletes made me realize that that's where I belong. That environment, that, that type of, the type of body work is, where is the type of 
work I was supposed to be doing. And I, I, I love it. No, I, I really love hearing about that story because stepping out of your element, getting around people that are better than you, the old additive um, iron sharpens iron is very real, especially in business, in the in this business, too, because this is a low barrier entry um, industry. When I talk about health and wellness, uh, it does not take a lot to get involved where you could either get grandfathered in and massage therapy like you were or. You could go out and you could take a simple test through, um, you know, IHSA or ACE or something, pass it, and you're certified uh, with re- compared to what other industries charge for relatively little money. But where the truly great ones start to differentiate themselves is the experience that they drive for their clients. And that's something that I picked up early on in our conversation where you talked about you hated trying to rush people in and out and you couldn't tell them the exercises or the stretches to, you know, to do when they weren't with you. That was a big part of my growing curve too. When I was just physical training, um, I, I didn't like the, I, the one hour structure, I made it work for me because once I met with somebody once, um, which you're familiar with this, I taught them how to warm up before I got there. So I wasn't wasting their time for the next time we met where it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, you should know how to, you know, warm up and do your core work and and foam roll and all that before I get here. You don't need me here wasting 20 minutes of your 60 minutes for that. Yes, Uh, yes. And so I really like to hear that because it tells me that you actually do care a lot about your clients. They're just not another paycheck for you. Um, So I really want to applaud you for that, because that's an issue that you see a lot of not only in our industry, but just everywhere. Uh, People just kind of want to get in. I call it the hourly mindset. Uh, You know, they they just kind of want to clock in, bleed the clock. And then once their time's up, they want to get out as fast as they can. Exactly. Yes. And that's very common in massage therapy. That's very common. And that's not sustainable for a successful business um, that you're putting together. So. Uh, before I lose track of that, that's where I want to come back now. So you go down to Frisco, Texas, you're around pro athletes, you're around some minds uh, that are opening you up to new things. Then you come back to Wichita. What's the first thing that you changed after your trip? Um, I started practicing the manual therapy that I learned from Mike. Uh, I actually learned it last year. I was with him for a week and... I was just afraid to practice it here without his his supervision because it was something so new. Uh, I did practice with a few people here and there, and it was it, they got great results. So late 2022, I think it was October, I reached out to Mike. I knew the combine season was very busy for him. Um, so I texted him and I told him, that I was available to come work for him if he needed extra hands. They didn't have to go um, hire anyone for tra- and, and train them since he already trained me. Fortunately, they gave me the opportunity to come and work during the, the 2023 NFL Combine season. I was in Frisco, Texas for two months, so I abandoned everything. And I have such amazing clients. They supported. They're like, yes, go. I came back three weeks out just to kind of take care of my most regular ones and went back and they were so excited for me. Once I was in Frisco, I practiced manual therapy 
every day, you know, with all these college students going into NFL. So it gave me enough to practice on a daily basis, multiple times a day. So as soon as I got back to Wichita, is is the first thing I wanted to do. And is the it, I've been practicing it every day since. I incorporated a little bit into my massages. Sometimes I just do a full session of, of that. And, and it's amazing. It's I've had great results. People love it. It's it's painful, but people come back and they're like, Can we do your thing? <laughs> and it's it's so nice. It's amazing. I love it. It, here's something I want to highlight out there for our listeners too. We've had over 30 plus guests come on here and everyone's had a wide range of educational experiences. We've had people who have PhDs, doctorates, who are running programs at ACE and all these other high level academies that are running multinational um, ventures. Um, yes. And But if you notice that I'm going to talk about Nathan Collarman too. Nathan doesn't have a traditional um, educational background where he went to college for four years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about other people, Nancy right now, you know, no college experience, but she's learned on the job and she's taking real world experience and she's actually crafting it into what I would consider, um, high, higher level experiences. Not everyone gets to work out with NFL players. Not everyone gets to say that they worked on a first round draft pick, things like that. So, the thing I like about your story so far is you're highlighting you don't need to go to college and do all these things. You just have to have the willingness to educate yourself and put it into practice and find those out there who can bridge those gaps for you, which is, I think, the right way to do it moving forward. Um, we have all heard my rants about the education system. We're going to skip that for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, most definitely. I believe that uh, staying curious and just wanting to learn more. I personally, like your last, um, your last interview, I didn't set a, a outline of this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do or anything. I kind of, I started taking it day by day. Like, let me just learn this today. And then tomorrow I'll probably learn something new and everything just kind of came together. Things that happened years ago are coming back now. It's like, it's like a full cycle, you know? like man I wanted this years ago and finally this happened like working with pro athletes I when I first became a massage therapist I used to say I would be nice to work with pro athletes but most likely I have to leave Wichita and who knows if I will ever get that opportunity well I've had had that opportunity and I am so grateful for it and if I want to I can pack my stuff and move to Frisco and I will work with pro athletes on a daily basis and it's amazing and I'm just you know, so curious to continue to learn. And at times I did consider, I actually did go back to school. I was going to go to school for um, international business because I thought that's where I wanted to go. And my kids were too young. I just didn't have the support at the time for with them getting to school and sports and all that stuff. So I stuck around with massage and I'm I'm thankful that I did. Now I'm thankful that I did and I'm not in debt with college loans and all this stuff, uh, but most definitely working on the job, working with clients in a daily basis and staying curious, like, hey, let me try this or, hey, let me try that, um, has definitely taught me so much, more than I would ever learn at a school. And that's a great transition piece now to talk about the business structure. 
Um, before we hopped on here and started recording, we actually talked a little bit about some changes you were going to make. Uh, but let, let's go back. Uh, let, we don't even have to go back super far. Uh, and just to give a little bit of insight to everyone out there, uh, what I'm talking about here about business structure or, or Nancy's business structure in particular compared to Wichita, as a lot of you know, I'm from there too. There's only about four major companies in Wichita where you can make decent money. When I say decent money, I'm talking about anything over 60,000. Um, you know, to do that, you got to work for Spirit, Textron, Coke, Cargill. That, that's about mm-hmm. it. After that, you know, if you're making that type of money, um, working for a, a corporation or something, you must have a very specified skill, but they're probably still not paying you enough. So for you to give for you, I know you say you mentioned you were furloughed and um, eventually laid off, but for you to not go back to something that, you know, you're going to at least make a livable wage to bet on yourself is big. So coming out of that situation and COVID and, you know, going back to your own after renting your own space, how would you how would you decide how would you uh, describe your business structure then and where it's and where it's going now? Well, let me let me uh uh, talk about something you just mentioned. I actually did go back to Spirit. Um, I went back last year, late February of last year. I had my call back. You know, legally they have to call you back. And I was trying to do both. I was trying to do massage and Spirit. I was doing second shift at Spirit. My job was comfortable. I didn't have anyone watching over my shoulder, no micromanaging. No, nothing. I would walk in, grab my orders, start doing my job on my own and clock out at the end of the day. And four months in, I actually talked to my manager and I said, this is not me. I don't belong here. I knew I was going to you know, lose that income. And I thought about it. I thought about it hard, but I didn't want to lose more time away from my practice. Um. I pretty much make about the same and I have not reached my goal, my not even my weekly goal just yet, but I, I make about the same. So, but I knew there's, you know, a lot of ups and downs in massage therapy, especially being independent. And I just, I went for it. So your quest to answer your question, I actually am learning still about business. The structure of my business, I think it's still a little bit unorganized. I'm currently working with a lot of people that are are guiding me where to go, what to do, what not to do. And I get very anxious because I'm a little impatient. And I just wish everything was just placed in order now. Even though I know that um, when you first start a business, it, it, I, I first of all, I didn't even plan on having a business. I said it out loud. I can I know I, I'm not I have absolutely no interest in having my own business, being my own boss. It's too much responsibility, too much work. Then went and started my own practice. So then I was like, uh, am I going to do this forever or am I going to go back to spirit? As I mentioned earlier, dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome, I think that's what made me go back last year. Then I realized, like, no, I'm better than this. I was created for something bigger. And my practice to me is bigger than working for a factory. So I'm still working on the structure of my business. It's a daily work that I'm doing right now. And I have come across some amazing people that are guiding me, that are teaching me and helping me. And I am so thankful for everyone, you know, and that 
so thankful that my job is does not feel like a job. So it kind of makes it a little easier and less stressful that the business aspect of it is still putting itself together. Well, this is a great opportunity for everyone out there that's listening, because now um, you kind of open the door for me to ask you a couple of questions that I always like to ask people that I'm working with when they're first getting started, if you don't mind. Um, so yeah. let's just we'll keep it very simple uh, for right now. How much time would you say you dedicate to the actual work day? And when I say that, I mean, actually performing um, your services. Um, so it, it changes quite a bit still. Uh, I've been playing around with my schedule. I've closed some days to be at work more time and just kind of consolidate my, my hours. But I think uh, hence on practice, I allow myself about five if I'm there every day. But I will do up to six or seven if I need to. But yeah, I think it's about five hours that I that I work a day and it could be three in the morning three in the afternoon or it could be all five back to back and then take the rest of the day off or take the morning off and then work all five in the evening but usually it's never more than that okay and so when you're not actually out providing the massages the corrective exercises how do you fill your time well, there's always something to do at home. Um, I go on walks with my dog. I sometimes go to lunch with my mom. I come home and I, you know, take care of my home. I meal prep. I go to the gym. I do. I'm trying to focus on more mobility since this is what I practice. I kind of fell off that for a little while and I'm trying to do that more now. I'm also learning. I mentioned this to you in the past. I'm learning uh, animal flow. That's going pretty slow and currently studying for my personal training and nutrition test. Um, learning a lot, just watching videos on my practice and just pretty much it. Okay, so you dedicate um, amount of your time when you're not physically practicing to continuing education to add mm -hmm. on services later. Okay, that's great. In terms yeah. of marketing, how do you acquire new uh, new clients? Is it word of mouth? Is it paid advertising? Is it social media advertising? Is it um, old school printers? Um, sorry, print flyers. Uh, what is your strategy for client acquisition? So most of my clients are word of mouth. And I am currently working on doing more social media marketing. Some of my clients have come from social media or Google search but not very many. Most of them are word of mouth. And that is one of the things that I'm working on as far as the structure of my business, um, doing email marketing and stuff like that so I can continue to keep my clients active or you know, uh, coming back, whether it's once a month or every six weeks. But I just, I'm working on staying in touch with them so they can stay on top of their self-care. But as far as, but right now, mostly I would say word of mouth. Okay, excellent. And most of you out there already know what I say. Word of mouth marketing is the best type of marketing because the trust factor mm -hmm. has already been built for you through the work that you've put in. Um, so I'll skip over that. I'm probably going to touch on some things that your mentors have, have probably already talked to you about. Uh, but I do like to ask this 
uh, question pretty directly. I like client or I would say marketing avatars. And the reason why I say it is because when I look at my app, my active clients, they can be categorized in um, in few words. They're usually middle-aged or late to early 20s. I'm sorry, late teens, early 20s, where mom and dad pick up the bill. Um, their medium income is generally 80 to 130,000 a year. They have a health they have a health focused mindset, meaning that they have enough control over their life to where they can put their health first and they can rearrange everything else around it. So it is a true priority. Um, Hispanic, African-American males um, with uh, limited responsibilities, meaning one to two kids. Generally, they don't have more than that. That's what my the basis of my client avatar is. The reason why I brought that up and I kept it very skeletal is because do you have some characteristics in your clients that you can say, I can build an avatar based off of this? Um, well, right now I have a little bit of everything, but I think most of my clientele are... Um, and older. I do have a lot of entrepreneur clients. Uh, I would say probably about 70% of my clients are entrepreneurs or self-employed. Uh, I don't have very, very young people. I am now just working with more young athletes, but it's not very many. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I work with a lot of athletes, like older athletes, um, and I'm not going to say pro athletes, but more like bodybuilders, um, runners, and, you know, uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners, MMA fighters. Um, I do have a lot of pickleballers. Pickleball is huge in Wichita. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, very, very active people. I think most of my, my clients are extremely active they're they're very they do work on self-care a lot so i think that would that i would probably focus on those things and this is some free game out there for everyone what i like to do is once i have my avatar or avatars built you can have more than one i generally don't recommend more than four because then you know you're gonna need to get a pretty robust staff then you can create crafted marketing campaigns to better target more people similar to them. So I'm just using you as an example, Nancy. So if I if I was you right now, and I knew I had a lot of older athletes, pickleballers, people who were involved in some type of league, I would build out a marketing campaign that would target not only where they hang out, but also where they like to spend their free time and build some mm -hmm. advertising around there, whether that's um, a Google ad or physically going to those spaces like chicken and pickle or um, a bowling alley or something like that where I'm wearing my marketing shirt, where I'm wearing my um, my marketed shirt with a couple of cards and some flyers just ready to interact with them. That's a very solid strategy for client acquisition out there for everyone um, who's listening. Okay. Same thing with social media. It's pretty much the same thing. You're going to craft content that's going to draw them in specifically. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, well, thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of marketing 101, but it's something that a lot of people 
I think they overlook if mm-hmm. if, they're, if they if they're just looking at the big picture. There's so many things to think about, but that's a really important piece. Uh, and we actually got to do it live. So thank you for that. I haven't got to do that live yet. <laughs> so I actually have thought about uh, coming, bringing my table, one of my tables to my, my nephews and nieces soccer games and stretch them so I can get a little exposure. So that is the one thing that I did, did come to me. Um, but, you know, the, what you just mentioned is a pretty good idea. Yep. And that's called event marketing uh, right there. So. No, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, and that's the thing I love about um, kind of the earlier stages is a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners like yourself, you you know what you're doing, you just may not know the exact name of it in particular. Yes, <laughs> yes I'm learning all of that right now. <laughs> Definitely. So I know we've been on here for a while, but I love the direction that your business is going. Let's talk about your short term goals. When I say short term goals, excuse me, sorry, my fresca got to me. When I when I talk about your short term goals, uh, what are some things that you would like to get accomplished in the next six months to a year? Uh, I want to finish that corrective exercise course and maybe come to Arizona to do a fascia stretching with the former. It used to be called the Wind Institute, but it's called different now. You might know about them. It's um, I can't think of the name. But they offer a a fascia stretching course. It's a three day course, and I am I've been wanting to take that since before COVID. Obviously, COVID happened, and they were on pause for a very long time. Now they're they're gradually getting back into the courses. So hopefully, once I'm done with this course, I can take that one. And I mean, I think that's going to be so amazing for my clients. Okay, excellent. So. More continuing education. We got one. Um, is there any other goals that you want to get accomplished there um, in the next six months to a year? Well, really, I've been super focused on that right okay. now. I've been so focused on my business that I haven't really thought about anything else that I would want to put any effort into just yet. Um, I recently, I mean, as far as personal goals, I recently started training jiu-jitsu again and I want to continue to do that. I want to continue uh, learning more mobility so I can teach my uh, teammates and my clients and, you know, just help them some more. But as far as now, my career, my job is it's really been my focus. Okay. And so now let's switch gears to long-term goals, things maybe two to five years out. What are some things that you want to get checked off? I know, and just for an example, I know one of my goals here in the next two years, um, just hint, hint, is I'm going to release an ebook here um, that's going to detail a lot of the different detoxes that I've experimented with and recommended and the benefits of them. And I'm also going to couple that up with a new online training program that I'll launch that's going to be hopefully this works out. It will be virtual. It will be actually accessible through virtual headsets to where I can guide you through some things. If you have one of them, uh, working through some of the code of that, but that's some long-term goals I have there. Um, and I'm just using those as examples. So what are some of your long-term goals here that you want to get accomplished in the next maybe two to five years? Well, you know, um, I'm in the middle of putting those thoughts together because 
I right now I rent an office at a small gym. It's extremely comfortable. It's it's affordable. It's it's nice. It's just a little bit hidden. So it, it's sometimes it's hard to get to me. So I want to move to another facility within the next year, tops two. But I have also talked to other people and maybe having my own facility would be an ideal thing. I'm not really sure just yet if that would be the route I'm going to go. But yeah, just having my own space is probably my long-term goal as of now. Um, as I mentioned before, I ha- I did have a job offer in Frisco. So I I would probably give myself a deadline of a four-year here in Wichita if things don't change for me. I will probably leave and try something, try a different place. I'm not going to say something, just a different place, a different area. And I understand that. Um, as a lot of, in, as you know, too, that was actually my first stop when I left uh, Wichita. I actually got started training in Dallas uh, before coming back to finish up my master's. So you, there's definitely clientele out there for sure. Um, yeah. And as you mentioned before on your other shows, Wichita is not a very progressive city. So as much as you want to hang on to what's here, um, it's comfortable. It, that's definitely it. It's, there's a lot of comfort here, but there's not a lot of growth. So I, I don't want to let go, but if I have to, I will. Yeah, and, I, and I'm pretty sure everyone understands. And they actually have already shown that they do understand. And this is actually <laughs> a great opportunity to talk about um, goal setting. When you think, well, let me ask you this first. Do you have a process for setting out goals? I don't necessarily. I, I don't. Um, I've just, you know, have have had some ideas in the past and then, okay, I want to work on this and work on that. At times I do lose track of my goals because I don't have a process. I don't necessarily write them down. Uh, one of the people that I've been working with recently He's the one that's is pushing me like, hey, grab a note and grab a, grab a notebook and write down your goals and make a board and write them down and read it on a daily basis. You know, just kind of keep focus on that. And that's another one of the things that I'm, I'm working on as well. Excellent. And I'll and I'll add on there, too. I know you didn't ask, but this is for a lot for our listeners, too. I may have talked about this in the past. I'm a big fan of smart goals. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of you should be familiar with this um, setup. Smart, specific, measurable um, attainable, realistic, and time, right? Specific, mm-hmm. how, you know, specifically, what do you want to do? Measurable, uh, what is it to the extent of which you want to do it? Is it actually attainable, achievable, relevant, or realistic? You know, because there are some goals that people will put out there that are just and you all know me, I'm go big, go really, really big. That's something a lot of people do. They don't think big enough and it shows, but you, you also can't just say, I'm going to take over the world. That's called pinky in the brain syndrome. They never did it for a reason. (laughs) I think, I think I'll be one of the people that don't think big enough. Um, again, going back to the imposter syndrome, I think that I have underestimated myself a lot and I, don't think big enough at times. I I would agree with that. Um, that I would say that's a conversation for another day. But when everyone sees, if you haven't had a chance to check out our social media links while we're talking right now, when they see the work you do, I'm I think a lot of people will be shocked that uh, 
you're probably not charging more yet. <laughs> that, that, that's gonna, one of the things that I'm getting ready to change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something I, yeah. I, I don't want to give too much away. And uh, I want to finish off the smart part too. Uh, T, timely. You have to put a time on your goals. If you do not put an expiration, oh, I don't want to say expiration date. If you don't put a target date on your goals, then they're just dreams and they mean nothing. Uh, that was a big change factor for me. But uh, I want to I want to make sure we finish this up cleanly. So we've talked about, you know, a lot of the changes that you went through, especially during COVID, how you realized working for someone else wasn't meant for you. You needed more control over your life, especially being the main support system uh, for you and your kids. Taking that taking that dive realizing that, hey, I don't want to spend all my time in this factory when I could be doing something I love and still maintaining my lifestyle that I'm doing right now. Your dedication to continuing education and mapping that into your future business plans. Um, And then also just figuring out what exactly that's going to look like to keep it structured in your head. Uh, We've talked about quite a bit of things. Do... Is there something that we may have left out that you would like for our listeners to know about you and yourself before we switch it over to our state of the industry question? I have nothing that I can think of. No. Well, Nancy's not going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Um, she's an extremely kind hearted and dedicated person. Uh, a lot of people out there, you probably know this about me. I I'm very cognitive of my time, right? You gotta, you gotta bring something to the table or you gotta be thoroughly enjoyable to be around or something or someone that I can learn something from, uh, for me to really kind of stay connected to you. It's not because I don't care about anything else. It's just, we only have so much time in life, especially as business owners that we can't really do everything we want to do. So we got to prioritize things. And thank you. Yes. And Nancy's one of those people that I've always kind of kept an eye on just because I always knew she had the right attitude and her heart was in the right place. And people like that, they hardly ever go wrong. So that's something I want to say about her. And last thank thoughts God. here. State of the industry. I always like to ask everyone this um, health and wellness, or if you want to keep it to massage specific or just, um, you know, therapy in general. How do you feel about the state of the industry right now? Do you like where things are going? Do you feel like there are some major changes needed? I mean, just give us your unbiased opinion over uh, how you feel about things and maybe some things you would like to see. I personally feel that it's going in a right in a good direction. Um, I've heard some of your episodes in the past that some people think is not going fast enough, maybe, but you know, fitness and and just wellness in general. It's hard for a lot of people. Um, it's it's very mental, so a lot of people are not ready for that. So it takes time, and sometimes they fall off the wagon, and then you have to jump back in. So I think I personally believe it's going in the right direction. We're learning more about self care, um, how to eat better. We don't want to be taking medication the rest of our lives, so we got to make changes and. I think the changes are happening. I personally, I mean, before I started training jujitsu, I didn't have a very healthy lifestyle. I used to work out, but my, I was in a really bad place mentally and emotionally. I, 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 my lifestyle was just trash. And I t- transitioned into fitness. 
and I can I've seen both sides and I I'm still you know around a lot of people who are not healthy but I have seen a lot of them make the transition so I have I think it's going a great direction um we just have to be a little bit more patient sometimes um like I said I was I didn't have a good lifestyle. I was extremely overweight and it took me a long time. Even working with you, I was not in a good mental place to change my eating habits. And it's not necessarily that I was eating bad. I was just not eating enough. And a lot of the times we think, oh, if I eat more, this is not good for me. You know, so I think it's just being a little bit more patient with people and we'll see changes. But I definitely think it's going a great, great direction. Now we have younger people um, more interested in self-care and longevity and don't want to be in and out of hospitals or taking medication or dealing with lifelong injuries. So I think it's, it's going a great direction. And I love your, and I really do love your optimism about everything. Uh, Nancy, you have been a, you have been a great guest out there and for everyone out there listening, as you can tell, um, she's done a lot of great work and she's still figuring a lot of things out, but she's maintaining a positive attitude about it. She's always keeping a learner's mindset, things that you hear over and over again that you need for success. And don't be surprised if you see a lot of bigger things to come. So Nancy, mm-hmm. thank you for your time today. And I wish you all the best luck in the future. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube